Ukraine win this war after all? Could be a stunning victory, naval victory for the Ukraine military. They took out a major Russian ship with their own Navy. This is very impressive. Now the Russians, unfortunately, they are still, well, they are still wreaking havoc, but the Ukrainians have shocked the world. Uh, this is Irpin, by the way, the city of Irpin in Ukraine, uh, following Russian, sustained Russian shelling. Um, but the Russians have now lost 15,000, an estimated 15,000 soldiers. You know, this could be real trouble for Putin because there are going to be 15,000 funerals, 15,000 distraught and understandably angry mothers, 15,000 in about a month. Compare that to the casualties America, the fatalities America sustained in two wars, Iraq and Afghanistan, over nearly 20 years, less than 7,000, less than 7,000. Can Joe Biden fix this situation? I don't think so. He's in Europe talking with NATO and he's not impressing anybody. And um, I think this was another green light for Russian aggression. Take a look. Would the US or NATO respond with military action if he did use chemical weapons? We would respond. We would respond if he uses it the nature of the response would depend on the nature of the use. So routine, so proportional nature of the use, our response, chemical weapons, uh, that's not a red line, that's a blurry, yeah, maybe you do, maybe you don't. What is going on? Incredibly strange, and he was incredibly strange before the invasion. Remember this? Russia will be held accountable if it invades, and it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. It depends, a big invasion or a teeny invasion, it depends, it all depends, and maybe we'll respond. It'll be, you know, in kind. Very strange performance uh, beginning, during, after the press conference. Thank you very, very much. One final question, right. Hey, look, wait, hold on a second, please. I was supposed to be an hour ago at the European Union meeting and to speak. No, I'm thanking you. Uh, so, so someone I haven't called on before. You. Who are you? You. Hey, if you can't keep your schedule, it's not the reporter's fault, by the way. Anyway, what happened next was something else. Sir, deterrence didn't work. What makes you think Vladimir Putin will alter course based on the action you've taken today? Let's get something straight. You remember, if you covered me from the very beginning, I did not say that, in fact, the sanctions would deter him. Sanctions never deter. You keep talking about that. Sanctions never deter. The maintenance of sanctions the maintenance of sanctions, the increasing the pain, and the demonstration why I asked for this NATO meeting today is to be sure that after a month we will sustain what we're doing, not just next month, the following month, but for the remainder of this entire year. That's what will stop him. You believe the actions today will have an impact on making Russia change course in Ukraine? That's not what I said. You, you're, you're playing a game with me. I know. The answer is no. Sanctions never 
deter. Excuse me. Sanctions never deter. Now, we could show you the reams of uh, sound bites of his officials saying they do deter. And that was the focus, deterrence. But I'm actually going to delegate that to the not-so-fake news for a change. Major Garrett at CBS, right after this press conference, he did it. CBS correspondent Christina Ruffini getting that last question into President Biden. History will record that before this invasion of Ukraine began, several administration officials representing the President of the United States, Joseph Biden, said, in fact, sanctions might deter that invasion. The president just said, again, emphatically, they don't deter. What they do is they sustain pressure over time, hoping to achieve a different result. <laughs> he was emphatically wrong, President Biden was. And now we get to the lies. Somebody asked him about 2024, handpicked question about, who. what if President Trump comes back? Europe doesn't want that. Listen to how he handled it. I had no intention of running for president again. And uh, until I saw those folks coming out of the fields in Virginia carrying torches and carrying Nazi banners and literally singing the same vile rhyme that they used in Germany in the early 20s, or 30s, I should say. And, um, and then when the gentleman you mentioned was asked what he thought, and a young woman was killed, a protester, and he asked, was asked what he thought, uh, he said, they're very good people on both sides. And that's when I decided I wasn't going to be quiet any longer. Now, the fake news doesn't like to point out this lie, but it is the great big lie. The Charlottesville hoax. Here's what President Trump said that day. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. It's the, one of the biggest lies ever told, and they keep telling it. Joe Biden, at this point, maybe he even believes it. This was the centerpiece of his campaign. When he made that silly video, uh, why he's running, it was because Donald Trump said very fine people on both sides, saying that neo-Nazis and white supremacists are very fine people. He explicitly said the opposite, the very opposite. He doesn't seem to have much respect uh, for Americans, for Europeans, for anybody but himself and his family. Um, oh, here's a little bragging. He says Europeans, they're on his side. The first G7 meeting I attended, like the one I did today, was in Great Britain. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And one of, the, one, one of my counterparts, colleagues, as head of state, said, for how long? For how long? All right, he's told this nonsense story a million times. Sometimes it's one person, sometimes it's 50 people. Sometimes wherever he goes, he hears for how long, for how long. If it is, if there's a kernel of truth there, and I doubt it, they want <laughs> you to stick around because the other guy, they couldn't get anything by him. Donald Trump, remember, he sat in the middle. He, he was just, he beat those people, all right, on big deals and small. That's why they like you, a total pushover. And Joe, let's face it, you're not very impressive around these European people. Here at home or the European leaders, 
You mentioned the G8 summit that you said you were such a hit at. Here's what really happened. And, uh, and we, I've said before, and I apologize to repeat, oh, I didn't, I, Jake Sullivan, you know, Jake is my NASA security advisor. I'm leaving out a lot of people here. I apologize. I'm going to get in trouble. But anyway, we'll get back to that. But um, uh, we, um, uh, you know, there's a lot that, uh, that is, is, is happening. All right. So <laughs> did you get all that? That's uh, from last year in Cornwall, England. And let's go to the transcript. Gibberish, 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 and more gibberish. Okay. Uh, it's painful. It's also, I'm sorry, it's a little bit funny. It's also very, very sad. And the fake news on this trip, of course, they try to build him up. They try to protect him. Ever notice how goofy and inappropriate Joe Biden's smile is? It is but they ignore it. And again, cover for him. Take a look. They're all under enormous pressure and they're leaning on each other really for support, for leadership, for ideas. It's a remarkable moment. It certainly is. Uh, and, and we're watching it, Poppy, as we as we see what's going on. Uh, we see these leaders. They're all this is a photo opportunity. They're all uh, very, you know, very serious right now. There's a war going on and a lot of Ukrainians, sadly, are being killed by the Russians. Uh, they're very serious and somber, except the picture we all just saw Joe Biden grinning and having a great time. Um, you know, when he does smile like that, it makes me think of Donald Trump all the way back in 1980. He talked about politicians and their smiles. He's 34 years old. He's in a national television interview and they ask him about, do you want to be president someday? Have you ever thought about it? Take a look. Would you like to be the president of the United States? I really don't believe I would, Ronald, but I would like to see somebody as the president who could do the job. I would dedicate my life to this country, but I see it as being a mean life. And I also see it as somebody with strong views and somebody with the kind of views that are maybe a little bit unpopular, which may be right, but may be unpopular, wouldn't necessarily have a chance of getting elected against somebody with no great brain but a big smile. No great brain but a big smile. Sounds like somebody we know, doesn't it? Huh? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> totally. All right. So, hey, what else have I heard a lot about? Not only today, but the past couple of uh, weeks. Red line, red line, a red line. Remember the red line? It's very important that we have a red line established, and we must call it a red line. One of the big questions that we have been asking, of course, is what the red line is for NATO. Of course, you have the threat of the use of chemical weapons, and the president still won't call that a red line. You have a lot of Baltic leaders saying it needs to be a red line. What if Vladimir Putin decides to pursue more extreme options like biological weapons or chemical weapons? Mm. What about the discussion of what is the red line? The, the NATO uh, folks are meeting, discussing red lines, discussing chemical weapons. And that would be a red line, I suspect, for a lot of these NATO allies if the Russians started using chemical or nuclear weapons. Is the term red line really going to make a difference? Obama used the term and blew it off. The media is totally fixated on red line, as if the term, especially Biden, Obama, is that going to make a difference? Is that going to mean we're going to adhere to anything? No, you don't need the term red line. What you need is a leader. 
You'll notice in a moment, Donald Trump does not use the term red line, but I think the message to our enemies was pretty darn clear, don't you? North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. Hmm, but Mr. President, you did not say red line. <sighs> that is leadership. That is deterrence. All right, while this is going on, Ukraine, uh, the Supreme Court, we can't forget that we have no southern border, all right? The entries, the illegal entries continue and they have gotten worse. Quick review, in 2020, the number of encounters our Border Patrol folks had, 400,000 at the border. 2021, Biden's first year in office, 1.6 million. Now, let's compare the first two months of uh, 21, uh, just under 180,000, all right? First two months of this year, look at that. What is that, an 80% increase? Globalists want the cheap labor and Democrats think they're gonna vote Democrat. We'll see. Take a look at this, please. The mainstream media are totally, totally freaked out about how Katanji Brown Jackson was treated. They are outraged that we dared question her record. Have they ever heard of Judge Bork and what happened to him and what they said about him and to him, to his face? We'll be right back. Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it, and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more, and start listening today. All, All I, I can, can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And Donald Trump shot back in a big way at the Democrat establishment. Uh, a lawsuit filed because of all that nonsense about Russia collusion. It all turned out to be fake, right? For how long did they say it was the real deal? Breaking news in the Russia investigation dominates the program tonight and reaches directly into the president's inner circle. We are covering the breaking news that Bob Mueller, the special counsel investigating ties between Donald Trump's campaign and Russia. We've got breaking news on MSNBC, the first indictments in the Robert Mueller investigation. We have breaking news. So about you remember this. We all do. It went on and on and on. And it's all fake. It was all fake. He was exonerated. There was no Russia collusion. They never apologized. So Donald Trump is filing a lawsuit. He just filed a lawsuit in federal court. Donald Trump versus, uh, well, the Democrat fake news establishment. Actually, let's see here. Hillary Clinton, the Democrat National Committee, Perkins Coie, the Democrat law firm, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, all the way down to James Comey, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, remember her? A complaint for damages and demand for trial by jury. We just got this. It goes on for 108 pages. Stay tuned. Meanwhile, Joe Biden in uh, Brussels today. And you tell me, do you think they pre-approved this question? I'm pretty sure they did. They picked on a foreign reporter. This wasn't spontaneous, was it? Take a look. Um, 
Marcus or Der Spiegel. Okay, it was on his card. And when you hear Marcus's question, you know they really wanted this question and they knew it was coming. There is a presidential election coming up in 2024. And as you You're know, kidding. there are white, yes, this is true. <laughs> and uh, there are widespread concerns in Europe that um, a figure like your predecessor, maybe even your predecessor himself, might uh, get elected president again. Um, so um, are there any steps, anything uh, you are trying to do and NATO is trying to do here these days to prevent what you're trying to do uh, becoming undone two years from now? And he used that opportunity to tell that lie about Charlottesville and why he got into the race and what President Trump uh, said, leaving out the part where he actually condemned white supremacy and neo-Nazis. So I watch these press conferences because I, I just can't wait for a reporter, some reporter, to ask questions about the laptop, which has now been verified, triple verified. We knew it was true. The New York Post knew it was true. The New York Times said it was true finally last week. There is a book I recommend you all read, Laptop from Hell by Miranda Devine all about it. And in today's New York Post, she raises some pretty key questions, I think, for uh, the Biden administration. And how are they going to get out of this one? Let's go through it, please. The White House at some point is going to have to address Hunter Biden's laptop. For 17 months, Joe Biden and his aides have ignored the scandal broken by the Post three weeks before the 2020 election. They have denied our revelations, refused to respond to our questions, told lies and relied on their media and big tech allies to censor and cover up credible allegations of corruption involving the president and his family. But the dam is about to burst as more Americans learn about the scandal and draw negative conclusions about Biden's integrity. An exclusive Rasmussen poll obtained by the Post shows a staggering 65 percent of voters believe it is likely that Joe Biden was involved in and may have profited from his son Hunter's overseas business deals. 48% say it is very likely. And evidence on, also exists showing that Joe Biden financially benefited from his then drug addicted son's overseas business dealings, perhaps by several million dollars. You have to go into this book. It is so damning. And the fact that Joe Biden can go in public in front of reporters and not be asked about it, that's damning too to the mainstream media. Totally outrageous. All right, on to the Katanji Brown-Jackson situation. Look, I've been watching the hearings. I'm glad it got a little bit tough. It's supposed to. It's supposed to, right? Uh, no, not according to the fake news. What you have here are 50 senators who are going to vote against this woman who is above reproach. That's why they're asking these dumb questions, yeah. so that they can have something to bring back to their constituents. It was so tough, I thought, yesterday to watch. Regardless of how you feel about her, it felt so personal watching her being really attacked for something that has nothing to do with the job that she's going to do. The way she was treated, I thought, was very difficult to watch. Uh, you got to get out more uh, or you have to have a better sense of history. Kavanaugh, anybody? We all know what happened to him and how it happened and what went down. I mean, it, that was unbelievably ugly. But these things are always pretty tough. Here's Justice, now Justice Samuel Alito back in uh, 2005 or so when he was up for confirmation. And I'd just like to know. 
how long out was going to be. Was that going to be two years? Was it going to be three years? Was it going to be five years? When did you feel that you were going to be released? Well, if, Senator, that, was it, if we followed your interpretation. Senator, I, I did. If uh, there's someone that can just understand what you just told us, I'd be interested in it because I don't. I'm going to ask you a straightforward question, and I hope it doesn't offend you. Did when you listed CAP, was part of your rationale for listing an application, you thought that would appeal to the outfit you were applying to, the people looking at your resume? I, I can't say I, I'm not even suggesting that, about whether you were or were not remembering, but I, I mean, was part of the reason, I'm, one of the explanations, I'm, I'm looking for a reason, you know, I'm looking to be able to say, because you don't impress me. Jerks, right? They got pretty nasty, actually. So much so that it made Mrs. Alito cry and leave. She ran out at one point. Uh, everybody saw it. It was it was really something. It was kind of getting out of hand. Alito's wife breaks down, walks out in tears as Dems bid to dig racial dirt. And of course, this all really started. There's even a word for it, borking. That's what they do to these nominees with Robert Bork, a conservative nominated by Ronald Reagan back in 1987. The president has sought to appoint an activist of the right whose agenda would turn us back to the battles of a bitterly divided America. In Robert Bork's America, there is no room at the inn for blacks and no place in the Constitution for women. And in our America, there should be no seat on the Supreme Court for Robert Bork. Wiretap. They, they have that, a legal wiretap. You mean to say that a They're magistrate is going to authorize a wiretap to find out if a couple is using contraceptives? They could. Couldn't no, they have the law? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was an unbelievably stupid question, but it's tough when you get confirmed. And what happened to Katanji Brown Jackson was totally within limits. And by the way, Ted Kennedy, rest in peace. But how dare that man even show his face in public after what he did in 1969 to that girl and sitting in judgment of anyone? Evidence of the fake news, evidence of liberal bias, uh, just unbelievable that he got away with it. All right. Uh, wrapping up about today, Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker. Um, what's going on with this guy? Is this crazy? Is this phony? What's happening here? I just look at you and I, I start getting full of emotion. You did not get there because of some left wing agenda. You didn't get here because of some dark money groups. Nobody's going to steal the joy of that woman in the street or the calls that I'm getting or the texts. Nobody's going to steal that joy. You have earned this spot. You are worthy. No one's going to steal that joy except me. I mean, he's, it seems kind of insane. Uh, and then there was this. You got here how every black woman in America who's gotten anywhere has done. By being <laughs> like Ginger Rogers said, I did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards in heels. All right. That's a phony myth right there. Fred Astaire was the genius of that duo. He was a choreographer. He's the one who invented all that stuff. Uh, Ms. Rogers, very nice lady, but she was along for the ride. I can't stand that myth. Uh, Mark Simone, uh, the genius of radio, pointed that out today. All right. I know it's a little thing, but it's a thing, okay? Next, we go to Austin, Texas, where they told all the kids 
Please don't tell your parents about all this gay pride stuff we're doing in school. Be right back. So this uh, gay pride parade for kids at a public school in Austin, Texas. Yeah, it's really happening. Part of their pride week uh, series of events. And the paraphernalia they're distributing at Austin Central Independent School District is uh, rather eyebrow raising. I think we may need that. uh, What do they call it? The don't say gay bill. That's an unfair name, but I'm going to use it for a moment. Maybe we need that across the entire nation, because this stuff should not be in schools. Children should not be talking about this stuff. Today, we learn about coming out and how to use pronouns correctly. Wrong. What else do they have to say? Uh, Ooh, do you know what the phrase coming out means? Let's talk about that in second grade. I don't think so. More. Uh, This is, uh, well, a bunch of imagery. You you can make of it what you will. Uh, Next is in their little pamphlet slash PowerPoint presentation. Oh, Uh, Here they are, just a little, um, I don't know, what do you call this, Uh, a duet? So they're having this in secrecy. They're very upset that these videos have become public because in their Pride Week Community Circles instruction uh, pamphlet, it says, please remember that we agreed to keep what happened in this circle confidential. Well, there's a problem. If you're a parent and you want to know what's going on, it would be against the law to keep it confidential. Texas state law. A parent is entitled to full information regarding the school activities of a parent's child. An attempt by any school district employee to encourage or coerce a child to withhold information from the child's parent is grounds for discipline. Yes, I hope up and including termination as well. The world really has gone mad, hasn't it? Here in New York City, we have a new chief medical officer. Uh, This is Dr. Michelle Morse, NYC Health's first chief medical officer. Terrific. All about keeping us healthy, right? Not so much. Uh, uh, We must hold ourselves and healthcare delivery organizations accountable to our anti-racism mission. You know, I thought it might've been about anti-sickness, no. She also goes on about uh, birthing persons, birthing persons, birthing people, birthing people. Won't talk about mothers until and only when she's talking about a certain type of mother. Take a look at this. Babies born to black and Puerto Rican mothers in this city are three times more likely to die in their first year of life than babies born to non-Hispanic white birthing people. I think she's kind of objectifying white people. And this silliness, this this crazy language she's using undermines the very real problem she's talking about. That's really sad. And now this. Black Lives Matter, of course, Black Lives Matter, but not in the way the Black Lives Matter organization and movement thinks they matter. They only care about a black life when it's taken by a white cop. No, of course, Black Lives Matter, including the life of seven-year-old Aria Jackson, seven years old. She was shot and killed last Friday in Pontiac, Michigan. She was in her driveway in her mom's car with her sisters and cousins, just got home from school. A car drove by and opened fire. Aria was hit once in the back of the head, rushed to the hospital, but died of her injuries the next day. 
Uh, police believe this is gang-related, and the family was targeted. The mother was grazed by a bullet. Now, they're looking for the uh, getaway driver, uh, 17-year-old Calvin McDonald. They've offered a big reward, $10,000. They say they have the shooter in custody, but they haven't released his name. A local community activist pleaded with uh, others to do more about soaring gun violence in the city and beg parents to get involved. This gun violence that's going on in our city is at an all-time high. And with the community, we all need to come together and bring awareness to this gun violence because things like this happen when the guns get into the wrong hands. It starts at home with our people talking to our kids because our parents, the parents know what the young kids are out here doing. Wow. Aria Jackson was just seven years old. We'll be right back. We are joined by Dr. Oz, Dr. Mehmet Oz, Republican candidate for the United States Senate in Pennsylvania. And of course, the world famous cardiothoracic surgeon, talk show host and uh, Welcome back. And uh, I consider Dr. Oz a friend. I'm rooting for him. Um, Full disclosure here. Anyway, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Thank you very much, Greg. I wish President Biden had the same opinion of me as you did, because I I wakened to a very uh, rude letter yesterday. Yeah, let's talk about that. So you're on the president. You were on the president's council for fitness. That's been around, I think, since the Kennedy administration. You're totally qualified to be on it. The letter is pretty terse. It threatens you with uh, termination if you don't resign. What's that all about? Why? Well, no one knows. I mean, you'd think with uh, shockingly high inflation rates, the highest in 40 years, gas prices through the roof, highest in 15 years, a war raging in the Ukraine, there'd be other priorities from the White House. But they found time to send me a letter threatening to fire me. Now, I want to point out, I'm not sure if I'm on it or not. I, you know, the letter said, if you don't you know, terminate yourself in six hours, we're going to do it for you. They sent the same letter to my friend Herschel Walker, who's also uh, on the uh, White House committee. And remember, as you pointed out, the White House, uh, rather the president's counsel, it, it's, it's for fitness, sports, and nutrition. It's designed to help children. You, you've helped us with Health Corps, our Kids Foundation. My wife and I have raised $80 million to help kids stay healthier, to give them mental resilience. Herschel's done great work as a role model. We were put on that council to help children stay healthy, to recruit coaches, to get mentors in the schools. And sadly, President Biden has politicized the process. Now, initially, I've got to say, Greg, I thought, knowing President Biden, he made a mistake. He meant to fire Dr. Fauci, but instead he took me out. So here I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, how could this happen? And they, then they begin to sort of, sort of quiver a little bit because they're not sure why they're firing me. So they said it's the Hatch Act. Well, the Hatch Act is not designed for unpaid volunteers like me and Herschel. It's only limited to when you're serving, which I'm not serving every day. It's a volunteer appointment. We meet a couple times a year. And so I actually think Dr. Fauci has been violating the Hatch Act because he's been acting politically even while he's in a paid government position. He right. gave an interview to the Washington Post prior to the 2020 election saying that President Biden was going to take on uh, the, the, uh, the challenge of COVID more effectively than President Trump. Well, that's political. That violates yeah. the Hatch Act. So as senators, when Herschel and I are both elected, I'm going to demand investigation into politically motivated firings and especially introduce legislation because I want to block politically motivated malice. Why would you get rid of Americans, Democrat or Republican, or helping children? 
Yeah, I know. And by the way, the letter was just kind of terse. Didn't even thank you for your service. But being <laughs> fired by the Biden administration might be a badge of honor. Listen, Dr. Oz, I want to talk to you about something that uh, I don't think is particularly relevant, but let's talk about it. You are your Turkish um, ancestry. Uh, you have roots in Turkey. You were born in America. Turkey, by the way, is a NATO partner of America. It's not some enemy state. Your opponent, my understanding is uh, Mr. McCormick, is trying to sow doubts in the minds of uh, Pennsylvania voters about, ooh, what's going on with Oz and Turkey? What are you saying to uh, your opponent about this effort? It's a bigoted attack similar to those used to attack Catholics and Jews in, in past eras. Uh, I understand only from the front page of the New York Times article this past weekend that uh, he went down to, to, to visit President Trump in Mar-a-Lago and showed a picture of me at my father's funeral. My father, who was a secular Muslim, was buried uh, in a tr traditional Muslim ceremony. I went to my father's funeral. Uh, he said that the fact that I had that Muslim gear around my father's coffin meant that I was unelectable. And I gotta say, not only is that type of prejudice harmful, but it violates it's the essence of what Pennsylvania represents. Remember, we are the first state to endorse religious liberty. That's why the Commonwealth was founded. And I believe not only was President Trump offended by it and rejected it, but the voters of Pennsylvania are abhorred by this. These are the kinds of basis attacks that I've been withstanding. We are witnessing the largest primary negative ad campaign ever waged by, uh, by McCormick because he's trying to prevent me, and it is a badge of honor, but trying to prevent me from doing what I have done for my entire career, fight on the biggest stage where we are now television to, to make sure that the voters in Main Street uh, entrepreneurs of America are protected. He's being funded, as the Philadelphia Inquirer reported this past week, by Democrats and never Trumpers, liberals, who actually don't want me in, in office because they're concerned about my populist approach. They'd rather have a Wall Street, Washington revolving door member who's going to open his door into the, the swamp and rapidly swim in it. Yeah, uh, anybody can go to Dr. Oz's Twitter. There is a hilarious uh, takedown about your opponent, who is a hedge funder, and it kind of pokes fun at the entire industry. I urge everybody to check it out. I got less than 30 seconds left. It does seem to me very much this sounds like 2016 all over again. The establishment was against Trump, just like, a, you know, elements of the establishment seem to be against you. Uh, you do see yourself as the MAGA guy, correct? I do. I've spoken to the president about it. He actually mentioned me in a speech he gave this weekend and got a very favorable response. He, he, he said he's brought it up to me. Uh, I enjoy the fact that we can push America in the direction it needs to go. We've too often, as Republicans, showed up at knife fights with index cards. Let's stop, you know, whittling around the edges and actually go with the culture war issues. Some of these are realities America desperately needs help on. Let's show up and be the heroes for them. Dr. Memonaz, the Republican primary in Pennsylvania is May 17th. Thank you very much, sir, to be continued. Take care, Greg. Stay well. All right. All the best. We'll be right back. Would the U.S. or NATO respond with military action if he did use chemical weapons? We would respond. We would respond if he uses it. The nature of the response would depend on the nature of the use. That seemed like a very uh, wishy-washy answer in my book. I'd like to bring in the expert, though. We have Fred Flights, senior fellow, America First Policy Institute, a veteran of the Trump White House on the National Security Council. Fred, welcome back. <laughs> First of all, how are you doing? We're good. How are you? Terrific. What'd you think of that? 
Well, I worked on weapons of mass destruction analysis for the CIA. I was very troubled by it. We have a, a, a policy of strategic ambiguity on how we would respond to the use of nuclear, biological, and chemical weapons. We would never respond in kind with chemical weapons. That's a violation of the Chemical Weapons Treaty. However, we've made it clear to a variety of nations that if these weapons of mass destruction are ever used against us, we reserve the right to respond with nuclear weapons. Uh, but this 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 response was so was so bad. Uh, it simply undermines uh, Biden's credibility further, and especially to Putin. This this answer just made no sense. And I notice he's really not being called out on it. Uh, interestingly enough, in kind, what does that actually mean? Does it mean that you know he's going to use chemical weapons? You know, it certainly sounded that way. U.S. will never do that. I don't. I think. At one time, when Biden was a younger man, having been on the Foreign Relations Committee, he knew that. And I think he's just simply forgotten the implications of this statement. Um, by the way, strategic ambiguity. You can be very forceful and also, I mean, somewhat ambiguous about what kind of weapon you're going to use. This is Donald Trump after, you know, Kim Jong-un started firing rockets a little bit too close to Guam, our territory. Listen to this. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. You know, I, it's kind of a brilliant, a brilliant statement. Number one, it worked. And number two, he didn't specify exactly what that would entail, what kind of weapons. Fred, that's my take. He also said from the floor of the U.N. General Assembly that he would totally destroy North Korea if it threatened our enemies. That got North Korea to the negotiating table. That worried the North Koreans enormously. You may remember they had just set off their sixth uh, nuclear device, which may have been a form of a hydrogen bomb. It worked because Trump was credible. Our enemies feared him, and they were worried what he would do next. None of our enemies feared Joe Biden. Um also, Fred, this is kind of he lied once again. Joe Biden did on foreign soil. To me, it doesn't make too much of a difference whether you're overseas or in America. He lies all the time. But he told the great big Charlottesville hoax that Donald Trump said, you know, good people on both sides. He explicitly said he was not talking about neo-Nazis and white supremacists. Real quick, just so everybody hears it once again, the Charlottesville hoax is just that a hoax. Here's what President Trump said in August of 2017. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. That part is always left out. Joe Biden repeated this story today in Brussels, talking about a potential matchup with Donald Trump. Uh, is it more egregious when you lie in another country about your political opponents back home? You know, it's even worse now. He, this was in response to a question by a German reporter. He mentioned the Bundestag. He made other references associated Trump with Nazism and neo-Nazism. I think it really is egregious when this is being discussed on foreign soil, but it's inappropriate for the president of the United States to talk this way at all and about his opponent. Uh, yeah, this is a little man. This is a little man who is doing enormous damage to our reputation around the world.
Um, just uh, he always says, by the way, everybody wants to know democracy is back. But for how long? That seems like a lie to me. I wonder. I wonder if there's any truth to that. Actually, before you go there, I want to show you this footage in Ukraine. Uh, Ukrainian Navy took out a Russian ship, a big one, an important one, a very, very uh, important moment, I think. So is it possible Ukraine could win this thing? We now have to seriously think about that. I think it looks like they're going to win. And an attack like this is going to have a tremendous effect on the leadership of the Russian military. And you might, and you know, they're not letting the Russian gen top generals talk to our generals. There's a reason for that. It's going to put more pressure on Putin to back out. Fred Flights, we appreciate it so much. Senior fellow, America First Policy Institute, veteran of the Trump White House. Thank you, sir, again. Good to be here. We'll be right back. How about this? Uh, Mitch McConnell, Senator McConnell, will be voting against Ketanji Brown-Jackson. No great surprise. Maybe we're a little bit surprised. Anyway, not impressed with Mitch, not impressed with her. Moving on. Uh, ooh, Democrats love playing this game about the 2020 election. Uh, we have grave doubts. We, me, some people I know, have grave doubts about the fairness of the 2020 election. And it's okay to have those doubts. They want to try to basically illegalize having those doubts. Yes, Joe Biden is the president of the United States. But was he elected fairly? I don't know. I don't know. They love posing this question. This is uh, the attorney general of Alabama. He was testifying today in relation to the nomination of uh, Judge Jackson. And Sheldon Whitehouse was doing the questioning, the most obnoxious senator ever. Is Joseph R. Biden of Delaware the duly elected and lawfully serving president of the United States of America? He is the president of this country. Is he the duly elected and lawfully serving president of the United States? He is the president of our country. Are you answering that omitting the language duly elected and lawfully serving purposefully? I'm answering the question, he is the president of the United States. And you have no view as to whether he was duly elected or is lawfully serving? I'm telling you he's the president of the United States. No further questions. I like that guy. His name is Steve Marshall and is the attorney general of Alabama. Good for him. Thanks everybody for watching. We'll be back tomorrow and uh, Stinchfield is next. Thanks a lot.